friends, and welcome back. I didn't take another break because, you know, I just want to keep pumping out this content for you guys. What episode are we on? Well, we're going to say episode 26, and I'm going to confirm nor deny. It's probably 26. I believe in myself, and I'm going to commit to that statement. But we have a new guest today. Not new to me in my life, but but new to you, the listener, because he, you know, we're best friends, and unlike some people he is related to by association when they go through North Carolina they actually stop and say hello so without further ado it's my friend it's your soon-to-be friend it's Jay I really need to get a soundboard you need need something there but hey hey Steffers thanks for having me here it's an honor to be here you know it's an honor for me to actually know you and yes (laughs) Frank, I am talking shit about you. Oh, That's is, right. Oh, this is not a family. Fam- no, we don't. Uh, I we see that. All right. We say what we want on this show. All right. This isn't, what is it called? PG. I don't, I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Well, right. It's, universe, just, this is, this is a more of a universal focused podcast, right? So exactly. universal is more PG 13. Correct. Itself, right. Exactly. If it. you guys haven't seen, I mean, if Megan, Oh my God, is that her name in Drake and Josh? We're going to go with it. I, Carly, okay. if she can, you know, do that TikTok, that trending sound now where she's like, I curse a little. And then they're like, what's your favorite curse word? And, you know, if we can do that there, then we can do it anywhere. <laughs> I can confirm this is episode 26. Woo, go guys. We made it 26 out of the 50 episodes that my goal of 2022, I had that. Remember wow, that you're over the hump. I'm over the hump. I know yeah. we're halfway there or a little over halfway, like one by one. I'm happy to get, I'm happy to get you over the hump. That's what I'm, that's my contribution here. It is. Um, and right. spoiler, this goes on a Wednesday. So it's like, you're getting me over the hump, like on hump day. Yeah. 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 See, it's, right. you know, we're doing it. Uh, guys, I have a headache. I'm drinking coffee. I don't know what's going to happen on this show at this point. <laughs> it might be a lot of things. Just, it's a kerfuffle here. We're here to bond with Jay because his wife, if you know her, you love her, Jen from Dillo's Diz. She was like, oh, you know, just to let you know, if you ever need a guest, you know, Jay used to work at Universal and and has a bit of life experience. And I'm like, Jen, that's, a, that's all I needed. No problem. True. Come on she, over. She's been, um, it's true. She's been pimping me out to the masses mm-hmm. for a while the now. masses so, i thought i right. was special Hold no on. it's just well you're the first one i think this is using this as the pilot to see you know how i do elsewhere in the industry oh so does that mean it's going to be the the di- hold on snidillo <laughs> experience it's going to like con- converge no, I'm, I, I should take that back i'm spreading bad rumors that's not <laughs> that's not true i mean y'all heard it here First, we're going to start this rumor. We're going to ride the rumor wave and <laughs> petition for his podcasting Snidello experience. I can situation. see Jen just shaking her head right now. She's not even in the room with me, but I see it. So I mean, I see it that's... too. And I think that's hilarious, but that's okay. <laughs> right. I mean, you make quality, like, uh, what are those called? What's the, you know, videos, I guess video. Right. Is like, yeah. Is that what you call them? I don't know. If uh, that's vid- like m- moving pictures, the moving I'm, pictures. I'm, but the, like, is there a term like right. special For video? Like, no, special I mean, effects, intros, things like intros. that. I don't know, creative I was gonna content. Say intros. Yeah, I was gonna say sure. intros, but like, you do more than that. 
Oops. I do. It's my little side hustle that I have where I I, um, produce things. I produce things and like, like creative, creative content for promotional stuff. And I film things like events and, and whatnot. So it's a little side business I have. I've had it for like 10 years and uh, uh, the Dillos are my um, best customer for sure. Uh, there were so many things I could have said to that statement, but I'm just going to leave that. Right, We're going to as... keep it to it's, <laughs> it's video content, right? Yeah, absolutely. Of course they are. Right. Um, okay. Hold on. Where do I want to start? Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe Jen didn't go through. I don't think Jen went in depth with this, but maybe she did. So we're going to get the whole life story. And I think that's how we're going to start. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, okay. Maybe not whole life, like where well, your mom and your dad it. lives. I just, right. that's, maybe that's a little bit too personal, but mm-hmm. I guess your Disney origin story, because, mm-hmm. you know, apparently those is, is fine. You can start, start there and then universal. And then maybe, cause you've known you, I don't remember a long, long time ago, you've been with Jen for a very long time. So maybe where that overlaps, cause I'm sure there's some overlap there potentially. There is. When you, yeah. you take your children there and like, you know, lay it all it's out true. for the folks. I got, I got the whole story. Yeah. So, so I think it starts with my brother, uh, my brother, Scott. Uh, oh my God. That's my dad's name. Stop. Oh, no okay. way. So yeah. Scott mm-hmm. uh, worked at every theme park in Orlando in every? one time or another. Yeah. He did Bush sea Gardens, SeaWorld, oh. Universal, and Disney and in various levels so uh and he did that primarily in his college years and and uh as us being seven years apart I would come up to him uh, and visit when like when I was in like end of middle school or early high school visiting him in college and and seeing all the perks of being an employee at these different parks so he did a bunch of different stuff at the parks he uh I'd say the biggest thing he did was actually at SeaWorld and Epcot was a combo he was big into being a mime he had experience in that because he went to Ringling Brothers Clown College and <laughs> as a <laughs> as a Ringling Brothers so first he went to Ringling Brothers Clown College then they went to UCF and uh then while he was at UCF he he worked his way into having so he used to open for the Clyde and Seymour show in SeaWorld where he was the opening act which was a mime that messed around with the audience and did stuff and then he worked at Disney for a while as the mime in France when the actual French mime was gone for something and he was like the backup French mime there's Um, so much to unpack there (laughs) (laughs) he also did shows in Bush Gardens uh and then he also did Halloween Horror Nights at Universal so he was the he covered all the parks and I think that was my exposure to the parks because I um, would visit him a lot and and see all the things in front of scenes and behind scenes but on stage backstage for sure. Halloween Horror Nights is yeah. definitely the highlight of that whole that whole list of things you just said. I know you said <laughs> the biggest things were Epcot right. and SeaWorld but I mean Halloween Horror right. Nights is definitely. I get it. I mean it's you're right. I mean I say the biggest things as far as like he was like you know he had like a dressing room and like he was kind of like a like a performer. He was those. famous. That's fine. You could say he right. was famous. That's I wouldn't say he was famous, but you know, he was yeah. like a performer. And then he at Universal, he, you know, was one of the I forget exactly what he did, but I know he got punched in the face at at Halloween Halloween. Nice. Uh, nice. Yeah. I mean, not nice for your brother. <laughs> like right. nice. Never mind. Right. Uh, there's no way to say yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> 
So he did that. And it's, it's, we debate whether we don't know for a fact if he worked there at the same time that Frank did, but it was around the same time they graduated college or Scott graduated college a little before Frank, I believe. No, is that true? I don't, I don't think that's true. That's a lot. I don't, I, I actually don't know now. So give me a headache. So, right. Y'all, so it was just, around then. It was late 90s when they, it was all that. So I was probably like uh, four, let's be, <laughs> right. maybe two, like, yeah. uh, but that was before my time. <laughs> you were doing all that stuff. And then um, when I ended up going to college, so I went to UCF as well. And while I was in UCF, I first got a job at Universal working at the Universal Studio Store in CityWalk. And I worked there for a little while. It has now uh, changed. If you if you didn't know, it has now changed. I know. I saw it and it was very depressing to see, but I get it. But I, I you know, I, I was a lead at that store, which meant I was uh, like open and closed the store and stuff. And I got to go in little tunnels and restock stuff. And uh my, I guess my highlight of that job was whenever we'd have to deposit the money because I'd have to take all the money out of the safe and mm. put it in these special things and then take it into Universal Studios because then on the side of Universal Studios, like near where Terminator is back there, there's the office where you got to deposit all that stuff. And that was always my favorite thing to do was to go over there. Terminator sure. is, is, is also no longer a thing. No, I know. It's, it's, like born, <laughs> it's born now. Right. I haven't, I was there two years ago oh. and, but prior to being there two years ago, the gap of me being in Universal was two years ago to when I stopped working at Universal, which was 2006. So I had a very long hiatus from Universal. It was very strange being back there um, two years two ago. Two years ago. What year are we in? So that's 20, like, I guess it's longer than two years ago. It was 2019. Okay, so yeah, so three years ago, three years ago, so pre-pandemic. So I don't even know what was, was what year did Hagrid's even open? Yeah, I did see that. I saw that. Okay, so that was like right. You were like right there then. Yeah, I got to see all the Harry Potter stuff, and that was really cool. I mean, I do miss Dueling Dragons. That was my favorite ride. Salt in the wound. Salt in the wound. Sorry, it's okay. No, I mean, I'm a dueling. I'm a doing dragon stand too. It's okay. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I love was, Hagrid's, but right there was something special about doing. Dragons. There was something special, and I didn't go on Hagrid's because there was a three-hour wait when I was there. Mm. Um, and I'm I just don't do that anymore. That's not a thing I, I do. So, mm. um, I don't mean to no Velocicoaster. Is that I would love to go on the Velocicoaster. I need to go back now again. Hopefully, it doesn't take me a million years to do that. Oh, no, no, no. Um, They have single rider. There are ways to get on it. Exactly. I just, you know, I, I think the last, the last ride I did wait three hours for was though, I think the amazing Spider-Man. Um, that's how long ago it was. I was like, wait a minute. You waited three hours for that ride. But I did that like when it like first came out and it was like this revolutionary. I am so young. thing. (laughs) So I worked at Universal Studios when like that kind of came out and that was like big deal. So um, it was like, oh my God, this is, we have to go on this revolutionary ride. We're going to sit here for three hours. And I remember doing that and going, I'm never going to do that again. And that was just, but I think everyone should do that at some point is wait the three hours, but then you realize, Um, okay, I'm done. So to put this in perspective for everyone listening, The Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man opened in 1999 <laughs> steppers was all right so four. it was open then so it was open 
when I started working there because I, I started working there a few years later, Correct. 2004. So it was open for five years then. I, I was, uh, thank you for That's, correcting me. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it was just, right. you still had to wait three hours though. I think that yeah, that five, five years later, it was still yeah. a three hour wait ride. Yeah. And I think that that taught ta- what it, it shows like rides like Hagrid's and Velocicoaster, how much mm-hmm. they've improved in some areas, but also right. not necessarily because when after the pandemic or after they reopened during the pandemic, words mm-hmm. are really hard today. I get it. <laughs> they I wait me and Jackson waited two ish hours for Hagrid's just to wow. make sure we got on it because we right. didn't know if they were going to close again when we would even be able to get right. on so it that was, yeah, you had the carpe diem yeah right. exactly was that oh. ideal no but yeah. worth it I'm not going to say it wasn't worth it but I can't imagine waiting three hours for Spider-Man <laughs> I get, I understand, but it's it, it, in that I wouldn't wait for three hours for Spider-Man now. I think then it was this ride that was like, there's nothing. Like there was nothing like Spider-Man in 2004. Correct. So now there's like three other things like now Spider-Man there's everything today. like Spider-Man. Right now, <laughs> what is it like Spider-Man? Yeah, and, and and I think nowadays, just to just to preface, you know, the three hour exclamation there. I think a big. Uh, a big hesitation I have now for waiting in those lines is more so just having kids. Like I think children prohibit you from waiting in lines that long. So I, I think mm-hmm. that's another, another big part of it too. Um, and I think also if you've just been to the park so many times, you start getting a little picky. I'm not gonna wait for that. A lot picky. Oh, I get right. a lot picky now. Yeah. You're not gonna, yeah, you're not gonna do that. But dueling dragons, I, I'm not ashamed to say this because I, I got, I used to be terrified of roller coasters. Same. Would, wouldn't go on any of them. My first roller coaster ever was the Hulk. That's and a questionable choice on your part. You know why? Because it wasn't that. <laughs> I had really bad friends. All right. So here's what, so truth be told, uh, I was with my friends when I worked at Universal Studios. We went mm-hmm. to, I used to go to Universal, the parks, like every weekend when I worked there. And they all, everyone wanted to go into Dueling Dragons. And I was completely terrified of going on Dueling Dragons. So my friends were walking towards it and then I stopped talking and like was just a few steps behind them. And then I just stopped walking and like let them all go on. And it was very like, they, and what's really sad about that is it took them until they were like in the line and they were committed to realize that I wasn't with them. Hmm. Um, so that's how I weaseled my way out of my first Jill and Dragons experience. But I also am thankful I did that because I don't think that was a proper first roller coaster to go on. So the thing is, because I did that, my friends then lied to me about what, how the Hulk starts. And, <laughs> and they talked me into, okay, well, if you haven't done that, you'll go on the Hulk because, you know, your legs aren't dangling. It's, it's like a more basic thing. Yeah. And, and I was young and... And, you know, uh, not, I didn't have the life experience to know that my friends were manipulating me. So then I, uh, I went on the Hulk and it was terrifying, but I got over it. And then that gave me the confidence to go on Dueling Dragons. And I was very much a, I think I was a front ice. I think that was me. Front row ice was me. It's my favorite. No, fire all the way, dude. Fire, you think? Fire is like the best. But front, were like front, were you like a front or back? Oh no, front. I'm I'm yeah, always a front. fronter on, yeah. on roller. I don't like coaster is not right because I want to. It was fun seeing it, and it was also fun seeing like when you when you they're about to collide, mm-hmm, like but they don't. The, mm-hmm. Right, but if if you're in the back, you don't really get that. Like oh my god, we're going, we're going right for it. 
Oh man, um, what, oh, you know, what a ride! Such a great coaster. Such a great coaster. To put this in perspective, your first real roller coaster was the Hulk. My first real mm-hmm. roller coaster was Scorpion at Bush Gardens with the one loop. Oh, okay, right. And then See, that's that's Bush Gardens is a good place to go though to get yourself right to get yourself like okay, I'm here to get into coasters. Like that's the purpose there. And then I think my second one was Kumba. Is that what it's called? That sounds right. Yeah. That, that name sounds right. Right. And then we graduated to the universal ones. Right. Like, that makes sense though. So you did it go. the right way. And did I think I that's why you're a healthier person overall than I am. I mean, so, Woody Woodpecker would have been like your first dip your toes in. Right. If you're, but, you know. but imagine if like, I wonder if I didn't, if I didn't chicken out for Dueling Dragons and I went through with it, like what type of person would I be today? Like, would I have a twitch? Um, I don't know. You might've peed your pants. I may have, and <laughs> there's no bottom. So that would have been nope. messy for everybody. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. No, you're not wrong. Legs, legs dangling. So uh, we went on a complete tangent and I'm so, that's fine. This is, you know this, how it is. It's what this is, right? Totally. So what BFFs do when they just sort of get together, you know? Exactly. Just, right. yeah. And you got to continue with your life story. Sorry, you, you know. Right. So where was I with my life story? Uh, so I worked at Universal Studios. Uh, at, at the in the merchandising area, I met some some good friends there. Fun fact: my buddy fact checker Mel Dale, uh, ah, who just kind of disappeared. Dillis Diz. He, uh, I met him at the Universal Studios store. So that's where we worked together. He trained me at Universal Studios, and him and I were both leads at that store. I worked there for two years, and then I I got a job at Margaritaville. I switched over to the restaurant business. And Margaritaville is sort of adjacent to the Universal Studios store in City Walk. And I noticed that they paid way more than the Universal Studios store. <laughs> so I decided to, to move over there and I was a host. I was one of the few male hosts at the Margaritaville for like a year before I moved over to Disney. I will say as a side note, anyone mm-hmm. who's looking for dining recommendations at Universal, Margaritaville has very good nachos and mm-hmm. they have a few drinks that are pretty fire. Just... <laughs> <laughs> for the rec just to let you guys know true story and if there's no seating inside you go around to the patio that's where that's mm-hmm. where the magic happens um there's a lot of Unless cockroaches it's... under that thing though but you know I, um, why do you have to tell the that, i mean I that's not selling the experience then again that was in 2006 <laughs> they probably eradicated them by now but um i'd hope so yeah i haven't seen any so well uh, now i just i don't know if anyone has faith in us anymore so Continue. i mean this one time when i was like working at Gross. Gross. uh Gross. there uh someone's like at a table inside uh, a cockroach fell from the ceiling into their onto their table <laughs> And that was a whole Madden house thing. But it's Florida. They're, honestly, the thing, the reality is it wasn't that Margaritaville's dirty. It's it's the restaurant in Florida. That ever there's there's things that's I I wouldn't worry about eating at Margaritaville. It's fine. What a great endorsement. If you're if you're listening to this, I did not cut this part out of the show. <laughs> but Margaritaville is great and has really good not nachos, gross. and I've had no bad experience. Yeah, no bad experience. Right, and Even honestly, outside. it's, it's a, it's a gigantic restaurant. It has two kitchens. There's, it's a, it's a huge restaurant. So, there's, you know, there's things that are gonna happen. But um, I did enjoy working there. I also met a lot of uh, a lot of great people there as well. And then I was approaching my senior year of college and realized, like, hey, I should figure out like an internship or something 
so I can maybe get a job out of college. And I ended up with an internship at the IBM exhibit at Epcot. Oh, because I was a marketing major. So I went to go work at this exhibit. And then one day I met one of the leads of the exhibit and her name was, uh, her name was Jen. And uh, that's where I met Jen is at the, being an intern at the exhibit at Epcot. What a, what a life. What a, what a, what's it called? Meet cute, cute. It was a meet cute. We met, um, no one there liked me because uh, I was very uh, ambitious and very peppy. Um, because I was working at Disney. I was and, like, Disney, what do you mean? That's Right, so I was working at Disney and I was like this young, like, college student and everyone, like, I was the only intern there. Everyone else was working there. And not that I wasn't working, you know what I mean, though. And, um, paid internship? Was it paid? Yeah, it was paid internship, but it was... Wow, it was, Disney swanky. I know. Swanky. Well, it was IBM, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I, was wasn't, I was a third party, you know, um, which had its perks. And yeah, no one there liked that I was like, just really into the, um, cause you had to present there. Like you, you went into a rotation and you'd present in different sections of the exhibit. And so I was very peppy and, and bubbly and I guess, and, and everyone was like, oh my God, this guy, he's like taking this job way too seriously. And like, everyone was kind of annoyed with me. And uh, Jen was the one that was like, guys, back off him. Like she was like, she was like basically like kind of wow, a little bit. your knight in shining armor. She was my knight in shining armor. She then like lifted me up. She like mm-hmm. held me and like mm-hmm. walked me to my car. It was very sweet of her. And I mean, um, wow, Jen. We'll yeah. We'll talk about this later. Yeah. So uh, she kind of had my back there. And the thing is though, in reality, we only worked there together for like two months because then she moved back to uh new york and clearly a lasting impression i well, my lasting impression yeah so i think it was my peppy announcements of the thinkamajig and that's why if you notice in the snydello studios place here over here is the enter thinkamajig sign oh yes i see it that's you guys can sign. see it i can see it so that's the sign from the ride at the the attraction i guess at the at the exhibit that where me and jen met oh look at that full full original yeah i walked that thing right at epcot no one stopped me so Uh, that wouldn't surprise me honestly (laughs) (laughs) i didn't actually like i sort of stole it i didn't like actually steal it because disney don't don't add us the exhibit the exhibit was being torn down so all the pieces were backstage kind of you know they're in a little bit yeah, it was a free-for-all. So it's just like, I'm just take this. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, I would have. Right. I didn't, but I would have. Right, exactly. And now we have this forever. What, what were they going to do with this thing? So it weighs like a thousand pounds. It's a thick and chicken sign. So a thousand um, pounds, really? It's like solid steel. <laughs> it's like oh. really heavy. It doesn't look like it from here, but I yeah, take it's, your word for it. It's super heavy. Um, you know, it's IBM. It's like nothing but the best over there so yeah that was that's kind of how me and jen met working working at epcot and um that's also where then i kind of rekindled my love for disney i think when i was at universal i was way i became a, one of those universal people that you know is like universal best is the people? best park ever right the universal is the best park ever and you know this is so much better and such a more fun experience and all those things and i was saying all those mm-hmm. things when i was working at universal yeah mm-hmm. and I mean, there there are things (laughs) at Universal that I questioned. Like there was, you know, in the tunnels, when you go on your break, Mm -hmm. there were- Oh, this is like an inside scoop. All right. 
Yeah. So uh, like when you go in the tunnels for your break, there is um, there were there were signs everywhere that had like an advertisement, like like it was like campaigning for Universal saying like, and it just said, we will win. And their mission was to be the premier theme park attractions in Orlando. And I was just like, why are you, why are you doing that? Orlando, Universal. Why? You don't have to beat Disney. You can just coexist. Just coexist. You're trying to beat them? You can't beat them. They have all that land and all that money. You can't beat them. You can't beat them. But you could work with them. You could be like two big things together. At least that's what I thought was. Stefford's just shaking her head at me. No, yeah, no, that's it's just not. I mean, yes, they could coexist. However, right. You you know, you know how it is now. That ain't a thing. Right, right. It's very two, it's two very different beasts, is really what they are two different beasts. They're different vacations. Mm -hmm. Um and but I was very into, especially being in college, and I'd go hang out at the parks on the weekends with my friends and I was, I was very engulfed in the um, universal culture. And then when I moved over to the, to Epcot, it kind of rekindled memories of Disney with my brother and um, made me like become very Disney obsessed, which was perfect timing. Cause then I ended up marrying someone that's very Disney obsessed. So it works out I mean, on the same page. Mary is a very, uh, I think, uh, understated. <laughs> yeah, 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 very right. understated, right. <laughs> but Right. Uh, there's so much to unpack. Do we want to dive into it? Can you? Do you feel comfortable diving into it? Because I, I uh, open know. book here. Whatever you want to. Whatever you want to dive into. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you know, I mean, everyone knows. Hopefully, at this point in my show, everyone knows. If not, please go back, listen to even episode like the the pre episode one. But I use the parks as a way to kind of bond, uh, what's, what's the word? Like, not spiritually, but like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what the word is, but you guys can imagine what I'm trying to say. But I use it to bond with my dad wherever he may be in the universe. If you believe in whatever you believe, I'm not going to, you know, I don't know. Is it safe to say you do the same thing with your, like, tell, talk mm-hmm. about that situation? <laughs> right. I don't want to, I don't want to tell your story because frankly, I don't right. even know it. So if you want okay. to. Okay. Yeah. Out. So this is where things get sad, but it's, we're going to talk, we're going to get through it. So get, just dive in. Yeah. So I have a weird family history where an unusual family history where my oldest brother, Joel, died when he was 13. And I was three uh, of brain cancer. And uh, at that time when he died, my brother Scott was two years younger than Joel. So he kind of went through a whole journey with, you know, having a brother that was very close to him in age and and relationship wise. Um, And that definitely stuck with my brother. My brother always wanted, my brother Scott always wanted to be a, um, a director uh and so he was always like movies yeah so he was always like a natural performer and he made a movie he made two movies he made a short movie and then a full-length movie about that kind of goes up, loosely relates to his experience with my brother joel's uh passing and uh he went to he lived a very active um ambitious life where he you know went to he was the youngest person to ever be accepted to universal I'm sorry, um, Ring Brothers Clown College, and uh, they only accept 30 people out of 10,000 in a 
in a, in a season. And so that was like super cool that he did that. And, and he had shows at the Fringe Festival and Dis and uh, Universal and did a bunch of um, acting and things like that. And then he also, uh, after his stints in in Orlando, he was up in New York trying to get his movie made. And that was when he was in his mid-20s. And then around then he started getting sick. And it turned out that he had a very rare form of cancer that he uh, fought for two years. And then he passed away when he was 28. And I was just shy of turning 21. So when that happened, I was in college. That's when I was actually working at the Universal Studio Store uh, when he passed away. And um, that was very hard for me because he was, I was very close with my brother, Scott. And it was a lot to process and deal with at that time. I'm still now today, of course, as you know, (laughs) staffers, no one, no one's really able to process that. And I know you had someone on your, your podcast just recently that was talking about this. They they also lost a sibling. Yes. Holly. Holly. Yeah. yeah. And I, I admired what she said about how like there isn't a lot out there for um, people who have lost their siblings. And it's, it's absolutely true. Like it's always about, you know, everyone else that's lost the person and not so much about the siblings that have lost a sibling, you know, so I've, I can relate to that very much though, especially since my brother was also engaged. So like his fiance lost her fiance, my parents lost a son, the second son. So they're, they're, you kind of get lost in the shadows with that sort of thing. I think that's also why I went to Margaritaville, which is kind of weird. <laughs> if that makes any sense, I think no, I, but part of your I journey, think I did I it was part of me like just kind of switching things up like because I took a bunch of time off. Uh I took a semester I didn't take a semester off. I took like a month off from school and tried to catch up from there. And then I also took some time off of work. And then when I just came back, I just needed to like change things. And so it is true that Margaritaville paid way more, but it was also like I just need to do something different. That was kind of part of my my switch over to uh, there around that same time. So yeah, so that was a, a big thing. And I, I absolutely think there is a part of the parks that resonate with me with my brother, because I don't have a lot of memories or yeah, I don't have a lot of memories of going to the parks with my family, like as a whole group. Um, and I don't think we went that often. It was really more so once my brother started working there that it became a bigger experience. And uh, I always loved going with him to those. So I think that definitely is a big part of why I'm so connected to it now, for sure. There's a lot of math involved in my head and I'm not <laughs> going to do the math. So you don't have to. You're is how, how many siblings do you have? Like is Joel like the oldest? oldest Joel's oldest the oldest, still? right. So okay. he was 10 years older than me. Okay. Uh, and then are you, no. so is there only three of you? I guess it's my only question. three. So, okay. Yeah. So you don't really have memories with Joel because not really. I young. have like I have like two, which are very vague. So I, I don't I didn't really know Joel very well, which is sad. So through the the films that Scott made, was it more of like a bridge the gap situation, or was that so like Scott focused that it's it didn't necessarily? They were more Scott focused because uh, okay. they were the the films he made were very loose. They were based on the concept more so than the person. Gotcha. Um, so it wasn't like a, it wasn't a documentary or a biography by any means. Yeah. Um, so that's hard in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause it's like losing someone, but then it, it's like, you didn't really know them. So that's like a whole, there's like, it's like, 
it's very hard because I was always, you know, prior to Scott passing away, I was always, it was like, yeah, I had a, an older brother who passed away, but I was really young and I didn't really know him. And that was kind of the end of that story. Um, what gets weirder and more awkward now with it is like, you know, I'm, I'm a changed person and will always have this with me of like my brother Scott passing away, but I don't want to discredit that also my brother Joel passed away. It's just that I was very close to Scott, you know? So the fact that, you know, it wasn't like I just lost a, a relative brother and not to discredit what Joel was, but just that I was too young to know him. I'm sure if I got the chance to be older with him, we would have had more of a relationship, but you know, there isn't much to do with a three-year-old. So, I mean, uh, no. <laughs> so, yeah. So, go to Disney um, in a stroller, but that's right. pretty much it. I mean, I, I guess three-year-olds are still in a stroller. I don't know children. Like, that's just not. Right. I was, the three is pretty little. So, uh, yeah. that's where I don't really have a lot of memories of Joel. And, but that's the other weird thing is that like Scott did. And obviously he was here yeah. close, just two years apart. And Scott went through this whole thing that I never really knew the way he knew of Joel passing away and dealing with that loss and the weird emptiness and the weird, I'm sure he dealt with the same things of like kind of being lost as a sibling that lost a sibling. And then I ex now experienced that with his loss, which is, you know, there's so much stuff like I wish I could talk to him about with that. Like, oh man, like this is something yeah. he went through that I didn't know when he was around. Cause I was also, you know, when he passed away, I was, it was a, he passed away a few days before I turned 21. So I was a kid and I didn't know a lot of things and I was very immature. And um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things I wish, you know, I had more time to talk to him about, but so I guess that's a, a big part of, I guess also a big part of being connected with the parks and seeing things and knowing those were parts that he was, he was there for or experienced. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to like make you sound old. <laughs> Get her you make me sound moment. old. I kind of am old. And no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Not as old as Frank. <laughs> my thing is, so yeah. I lost my dad. Right. When I, right before I turned 18. Mm -hmm. And then go, I'm going to correlate this to Holly. Holly, if you're listening, I love you. Um, and then Holly lost her sister in her uh, probably around the same a how many years ago 20 mid-20s we're gonna go mid-20s because I forget how old mm -hmm. we are there's this whole growth situation that happens when you lose someone in general mm -hmm. and I feel like and or like it just seems apparent that with siblings it's it's very different mm -hmm. like how I don't know if being older really makes difference in terms of age because it's like you lose someone, you lose someone. But I feel like when you're at that peak, like 18, 21 type situation, mm -hmm. you're too busy focused in your own things that you don't necessarily comprehend what's happening or like right. the, the grief is just, it, it's different. I know for me, my situation was very different where like my parents were divorced and like I had to do, like there, there wasn't really anyone else. Like me and my brother were kind of just on like dealing with this. He did my dad didn't mm -hmm. have brothers. My dad didn't have sisters. It was just his parents, me and my brother. And that was it. And then his parents died. And it was just like a whole correlation of, of life and shit happening where it felt like to me, I had to grow up 10 times faster 
which mm-hmm. is why I'm such the put together person I am today. <laughs> Something like that. Right. Um, but for you, like you said, you, I mean, you were working and you mm-hmm. only took, you only took a month off. Mm-hmm. So like what we, we clearly are still like, all of us are still dealing with our grief in, in one way or another, but the yeah. progression of your growth, like how would you say that the loss affected you in terms of like personal growth or like personal mm-hmm. obstacles or like different decisions you've made or whatever it may be? Yeah, I, I, that's a great question. I, I, first off, I think you're, you're spot on with that timing because it's like there's never a good time to lose someone that's close to you, but it, it's especially hard when you're in that period of your life where you are very self-absorbed. Um, and it's not that it's a bad thing to be self, like you should be self-absorbed at that age. You're figuring yourself out. You're about to be, you're, you're, it's like the first few years that you're a real adult, you know, that you're making decisions about yourself and have more freedom for things. And to get something that heavy on your plate during that definitely changes your view and changes how you're, um, how you're reacting to things. I would say with Scott, I, I kind of threw it into a positive spin for a very long time. And what I mean by that, not that, oh, okay, my brother died. That's not awesome. Like, it wasn't like that. It was more so, you know, so he made this film and he filmed it at UCF and it was about these college students and uh, his, what he was doing right when he got sick was showing that film to other people and he what he was was trying to get it remade on a bigger budget he made the whole movie on like six thousand dollars so it was like super low budge so he was trying to see if he get it remade so i kind of went into this whole like i want to keep doing that for him and i took his film and tried to get it shown at ucf as a way to honor him and also to make it like he would want, he wanted people to see his movie. So it's like, I want to do that for him. And I kind of got just obsessed with that. And that, I guess I moved my energy and my, the loss and the pain and all that to try to make it something for him because my brother was such a positive person. Um, He was very, very, very wise and especially for his age and, um, you know, always kind of saw the good in everything and, and always was kind of inspiring other people to do things. So I wanted to do that for him. And he, uh, so I, I put, UCF gave me a big fight um, to show his movie because the movie is called Shooting God. And uh, they, they were very turned off by the title of it and thought it was too controversial, even though it doesn't have anything to do with shooting God, but <laughs> it was more shooting like film wise. But anyway, so UCF kept turning me down of, of a way to make, to show the film through um, the alumni association. So I figured out other ways to show it at UCF. And then I coordinated that, the, the events with raising money uh, for the children's hospital that was tied to my brother's, the hospital that my brother went to. So, um, each event that I, I think I showed the movie a few times. I don't remember how many times, but each time I showed it at UCF, uh, basically what I would do is you, because like the school wouldn't fund it or uh, sponsor it at all. I had to do it where I would like rent out rooms at UCF that had um, AV equipment and I would make like 
lot shooting God in this room on this day. And it made it so there was um, a raffle where you could like buy tickets and you could win stuff. Like I got different companies or businesses around the area to donate things for the event. So they, people would provide money. And then there was also donate toys and things like that to the children's hospital. So then I collected all that stuff over a few events and, um, and donated that to the hospital and got to show his movie. And that was sort of, you know, I was, I was doing that for him, but I'm sure I was also doing that for myself too, of like, uh, I need to do something. (laughs) And that's kind of how I use that energy. So it's just kind of funny because that was also a peak time that I, that's when I met Jen. Uh, So I met Jen a few months after my brother died and she saw me being this like, Hey, I'm going to do this movie and I'm going to do this theater thing. And I'm going to get all this stuff done. She's like, wow, this guy's like really positive. (laughs) I uh, tried really hard to, I guess, just do something with his film from there. So that all went on for a little while for, um, uh, and then in 2008, I got his movie into the uh, the New York International Film Festival, and it was shown at a theater in Manhattan, which was like kind of the peak of the whole ordeal because it like that's what he was trying. He was trying to show the movie and get more people to see it in Manhattan and try to get it remade. And while I never got it to that point where like I had people looking at it for like an option, it was cool that it was it was in a theater in Manhattan and people clapped and that was cool. So, but uh, I also felt weird about all of that too, because there's this weird, like, I don't want this to be about me, but it started to kind of become about me, but I didn't want it to be about me. But it, I don't, and I was so worried that people would think it was, I'm making this about me and I'm turning his thing into my thing. And, and I did, I never wanted it to be that way. I wanted it to be more about him still getting the spotlight and, and, you know, people seeing what he did. So I, yeah, I focused on that for a little while and now I, I, you know, it'd be cool to do something else with it all again, but I, I'm not really sure where, what to do with that. <laughs> I guess. Maybe I know people. Maybe, Maybe I know people? people who know people. That's right. a side conversation, but we'll get. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like you did exactly what all of us do. We kind of just focused your energy and other stuff before. I was too focused on making sure everyone else was okay and like making sure like the mm-hmm. house was in order and bills right. got paid and you mm-hmm. know ad- adulty things holly does a lot of uh distraction because she doesn't quite know what to like she's still in the in the part of of the loss where it's like what do i what do i do mm-hmm. uh random you know what for lack of a better term panic attacks because i'm gonna that's just kind of what i'm gonna uh title that as but right. she, she's still going through that is there any, I mean, you're not a therapist. We're not licensed professionals. This is just based <laughs> off of experience. I feel like I have to right. give that little disclaimer. But as someone who's dealt with a loss, not the same as hers, but in terms of sibling loss, right? once you get past the whole, don't really know the, the, there's like a period. And if you've lost somebody, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you, you get through that period is there any advice or any navigation or like, what do you do now in terms Man. of dealing with it? Cause you're always going to deal right. with it. And I don't right. want people to think that we're like magically cured and like life is all hunky dory. I mean, I mean, I'm going to say for me, I live a great life. You have a great family mm-hmm. y'all doing stuff, but our loss is still our loss. And I'm like, it doesn't, right. it, it, 
doesn't just magically go away. We you just learn to I don't think it ever goes away. To kind of cope differently. And I guess I'm right. trying to figure out how you cope now. Mm-hmm. because I know at some point Holly will reach a point and whoever's listening that can relate, like we'll get to a point yeah. where like you can, you'll be okay to a certain extent. Right. What do you, yeah, I, my, I don't know if I have great advice for this. I, I think it's more of, you know, so Scott passed away 17 years ago and I wouldn't say I'm over it or I'm okay by any means. I think I'm numb. And that's the reality, reality. <laughs> I think of it is that you don't get over it. You're not all of a sudden okay one day. It's just you deal with the sadness of it for such a long time that it starts to just become something that you live with and you just, it's just there. And um, it's like, it's like working out, you know, the first day you exercise. Uh, and the next day your muscles hurt and it's like, oh my God. And, you know, you know, I had all these muscles and everything hurts and everything's horrible. And then you do it the next day and then it, you're still doing the same things. All the same actions are there. It's just that your body gets used to it. And I think that's, I think that's what happened with me. And I, I imagine a version of that happens with anyone that goes through this is that your body, you just get used to it. And, but that doesn't mean like, I don't think about Scott every single day, multiple times a day. And I do. And there's times I, you know, I'm sad that he's not here to see things that happen or meet his niece and nephew or, you know, see just how things turn out and see how crazy my parents are. And, you know, all those things uh, that I think he, you know, I wish he could see, but I also, uh, I feel like I've been thinking that and, and feeling that for such a long time that you're, I'm just used to it now. So I don't know if that's encouraging or. I, well, <laughs> but... I think it's just nice to hear someone else kind of say it that way. It's, it is, I don't even know if this is the right word to say either. I was going to say it's no longer crippling. Right. Because I think some of us are, or most of us, if, not all of us go through a period where it's like crippling and you just don't like you just don't know what to do and don't know like how to live your life without the person right but then the more longer you do that there starts to come a time where life you get used to a life without them here and it's not that it's like I think when it first happens you're like oh my god but that's how my life like my life used to be like this and there were these people in it and these things happened and then over time that changes and you get new experiences and new things and, and you get, you're, you get comfortable, not comfortable, but you get used to your surroundings and your surroundings over that time become, this becomes part of your surroundings, becomes part of, I lost this person, they're not here anymore. And that is something that is, your head reminds you of every single day, multiple times a day for years and years and years and years. And and as that's happening, all these other things are happening. You're getting married, you're moving to a new place, you're getting a new job, you're doing this thing. All those things are happening while that's there. And you're, you just sign a reset and you go, okay, well, this is how my world works now. My world works with all this without this person. And it's not that it sucks any less. It still sucks yeah. the same as you it did when it first happened. It better. 
deal right with better i don't know words are really you don't de- i don't think you deal with it better i think you just deal with it deal with it yeah. right i don't i think it's just it's just there you know but it's just something you get used to over time which is sucks because it's something yeah. so, and, and and it's something where like i was thinking about this again with, with the holly conversation is like something that i absolutely hate being asked with is um do you have any brothers or sisters I hate getting asked that question. And I think about that a lot. I've, especially recently, I've been thinking about it because uh, Jen and I were talking about this. It's like, it's um, such a normal question to be asked. And people don't think, it's such a natural thing to ask somebody. Like, do you have any brothers or sisters? And for anyone that's lost a sibling, it's such a hard question to answer because I have two options in that situation. I can either lie and say I don't, and then you have this weird gut-wrenching feeling of like, I'm just hiding my brother or brothers. Or you say, yeah, I, I do, but they're, they passed away. And then you just ruined that person's yep. day and have made them feel awful <laughs> exactly. that they asked that question. There's no win in that situation. And uh, it is, that is something you live with that is just the worst <laughs> where People are just like, oh, yeah, so you live over there. That's cool. Do you have any brother? Are you the only child? It's like, eh, well, sort of. I don't know. So I've played around with different combinations of that, and none of them are good. But uh, I kind of feel like the best one is like, yeah, yeah, kind of, it's complicated. Just then I just kind of move past it. Like I just kind of brush over it. And then I feel like, you know, someone like you, Staffers, or people that I've engaged with, you know, in more than one instance, then, you know, we can get more into the details, but well, I mean, I, now you're, you're getting into the details of the whole wide world or the internet. Right. Here, so. so, right. <laughs> the millions of people listening, this is me. So don't, don't. So, and I don't want to, I don't want to deter people from asking that question. It's just, it's something funny that if you've, if you've lost a sibling, you know, or even lost, like, I think lost anyone close to you or someone asked those general questions, like, are your mom and dad still together or whatever? And it's like, it's just, oh, oh, this is like such a weird feeling. I get, what do I get? I get like a, oh, is your mom or dad Filipino or what's your background? Or uh, like, where right. are your parents from? Like, I'll get like these random people asking me about my parents for no reason. And I'm like, oh, now I just go, oh yeah, uh, my mom's Filipino. My dad was white. And I just mm-hmm. gloss right over and I keep chugging. And that's just right. how that goes. Where, where like, people pick up on the was in the past tense. Yeah, thing. I'm like, right. no, we're, you got to keep, you got to just roll it with confidence, like right off right. the tongue and that's it. And then you kind of, okay, right. bye. Have a good one. Take right. Yeah. And you know, I've, let's see, that's, that's a good way to do it. Like I've, I've tried it that I, maybe I just need to word it a certain way. Like I've done it like, oh no, I'm, you know, there's, I'm the youngest of three and try to move on from that. Cause like, that's not lying and that's not getting too into anything. Like, yeah, I'm the youngest mm-hmm. three. Oh, what are, what are your, how old are your brothers? No. And then it's like, oh no. And like, oh, what do they do? Or are they married? It's like, oh God, no, no, back up. I don't want to talk about it. So that's but really it, hard th- with siblings. It's absolutely 10 billion times hard with harder for siblings. I mean, I, not that, it, you know, invalidating anyone else, but I do find like, how do you, because it's such a normal thing people ask. Right. It's a genuine normal yeah. society question. And they're not wrong to ask it. Like I don't want to I don't want to create a thing where people shouldn't be asking other people how they're doing or or what their life is like. But uh it's it's a unique situation for a very <laughs> small group of people that um that have that situation happening to them. I I I I looked it up recently that I think it's uh 
it's like 5% of the U.S. population oh. has lost a sibling, right? So oh. 5%, there's a 5% chance that the person you're talking to may have a weird- May cringe at that question. <laughs> may cringe at that <laughs> question. So you're probably fine. 95% chance you're fine. Oh my uh, gosh. So. I just, I, I, I. It's really, it's really tough. And I don't even like, how do you get to know someone without asking those questions too? So sure. it's like, just, I, I don't even sure. know what you can say. But it's also, I, I also kind of feel like it's, that's part of the experience, right? So it's part of becoming numb to it and, and doing that. It, that is a part of me and that's a part of who I am and, and what's why I am the way I am. And <laughs> so it's all part of it. Yeah. I, you said something earlier. So a lot of things earlier. I correct. We've been yes, talking you, for a while. Uh, we yeah. have. We're we're wrapping yeah. this up, folks. We're wrapping this up. But you oh, can no, say can, something yeah. to the effect of like you like the way you've learned to live your life without that person. Mm-hmm. Essentially, that's more or less what you said. I'm right. paraphrasing at some point. I think at the end of the day, like I just got married. Mm-hmm. Just got you know a little bit ago, and I think you'll have your milestone moments. Where it's like all you want to do, I mean, it could just be like Gimli stopped barking and you just want to talk to that person that you lost. Yeah. There comes a point, depending on the like uh, how grand it is or like how Mm -hmm. high you weigh it on your heart. There comes a time when those moments you either find someone else like a significant other to celebrate those accomplishments with. But you will always, always, always hold like that that ache in your heart that you right, just like can't oh, they're not person. here right they're yes. not here to see this yeah and you just learn to be okay <laughs> or like does, not it, okay it, it, but... that's such a good point though because it does make every big milestone hard yes right because you're like oh man i want to do this with this person um, which goes back to the age thing because i feel like at every age you hit some sort of milestone or personal growth or professional growth and you're just right. like what you doing where you at right. But uh, not to get too sentimental, but I think it's no. a, a big, a, a too, this is too late, uh, no. but a big, uh, it's one of the things I love so much about Shannon and Frank's relationship is they have a very similar relationship to the relationship I had with Scott. And I imagine it would be even better now and not better than Frank and Jen's, but just better than what we were in the 20s. I'm not going to, I'm not trying to trump anybody, but you're um, dillowing it you're, you're um, literally dillowing right. it continue. But, you know seeing their connection and just how they get along and, they, and they're the same age difference as me and Scott are and uh and uh, I actually have a funny story about a connection between Scott and Frank oh, which is gonna creep everybody out I don't That's know fine. We, I'm already cre- I'm creeped out no, I don't know for it. I don't know if I, I don't know if people have heard about this or not but I don't know if Jen's told this story but in Scott's movie Shooting God, there is a character who's this bad boyfriend, uh, and he's from New York, and he uh, is abusive and and stuff. So his name was Don Fowler, the, the the actor that played the guy. So Don worked with my brother on the movie, and Don had this uh, accent, this New York accent. And um, when many years later, when Frank saw the movie, Frank was like, oh wait, Don's in this movie? Like, so Don is friends with Frank. Of course. And and Don, during the filming of Shooting God, would call Frank and ask him for 
tips on the New York accent for the movie. And this was seven years before me and Jen met. So like, it's just kind of crazy how those paths crossed where this big thing that like my brother did, Frank. Pivotal moment. Was very loosely connected. Very Frank was sort of connected to it and knew this guy. And we were like, oh my, because at the at that time at UCF, like there had to have been moments where Scott and Frank were in the same room or in the oh, same yes, area. Because Frank was a theater major and my brother was a film major. Um, so it's just this crazy world, even though they weren't the same year. Uh you still you still but, collaborate and talk to it. Right. So it's just this crazy like for him to watch that movie and be like wait Don's in this movie and wait this is the movie he was talking about where he needed the New York accent and it's like that was my brother's movie and it's like what is that world so I am not someone that I'm I'm not so much a like I'm not that spiritual of a person and I don't I'm not into like the whole like things happen for a reason that's just the me thing but that's weird (laughs) so I think that's the beauty of life right I yeah, don't know so. what that's, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is either, but I think I that's the beauty of life because right. I don't know. I feel like that'd be like cute. Like you have a little piece of, even though Frank isn't your brother, but like you get like that little. He's my like, brother in law by law. He is in well, law, right? in law, in <laughs> right. law by law, but like, he, right. you know what I mean? Like that yeah. connection. I think that's a beautiful like thing. It's really, no, it's amazing. And pretty cute. Much. It's, like it's, it's very chilling, but I, I, uh, I love that story though. I mean, that was chilling. It was one way, way to put it, but that's fine. That's right. fine. We got said really, I'm sure, yeah. sure I did. We, yeah, so we that really dragons, huh? What a great ride. <laughs> we went Man. full circle on this. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What a time. You all have just <laughs> learned Jay's life story. First time being on and you already know. The right. open book was not, was, yeah, that, wow. Open. Open book words are open. Books yeah. are open. Thank you, Jay, for you know literally telling me your life story, no matter how uh, sad, <laughs> deep, tan, tangic, tangical, tan, tan, tangical, and tangent. Tan, I hope I that's not a say, word, but yeah, I'm not I, either. <laughs> right. I'm not either because that's not. That's but we're go, we'll go with it. It's your podcast. You can have whatever no, I, you want. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm just yeah. trying to live my best life here. Yeah, I think you are. I appreciate it. I know that talking about loss isn't exactly the best um, mood booster for everyone, but I think these are important conversations to have because, you know, there are people just like you and me that you don't know what kind of shit they're dealing with and what kind of, um, I don't know. I just, I find it interesting to, to talk about how people deal with their stuff. I think so too. I also feel like there's, there's a connection to that, whether it doesn't matter who you've lost, whether it's a, you know, a parent or a sibling or a significant other, like whatever it is, it's, it's a group of people that um, are dealing with something that most people aren't dealing. I don't know if it's most people though, because everyone's lost somebody. It's just a matter of, I mean, I, the, I don't want to, I don't want to invalidate anyone, but like even, so losing a pet has its own, right? like, if, especially if it was like a childhood pet or like an emotional support. Like I have a friend who lost their dog after a lot of years. And I mean, he took that very hard. Mm-hmm. We all just experience it in different ways. Right. And I think that that's, 
worth talking about. I think it is worth talking about. I think it's an adventure to go on Woodstuffers. Woodstuffers? <laughs> That's a sound clip you could use. Wow. Yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah. Something like that. All right, yeah. Jay, tell folks where they can stalk you on the internet. Oh, man. It's hard to say because I am not... Uh, I'm not as socially media uh, literate as my as my beautiful wife is. Um, so while I do have a couple half, uh, can you curse on this podcast? Yes. Um, half ass efforts that I've tried out. Like I I do have a um, a JLX Cars uh, Instagram that is a little something I I tried out a few years ago and I just haven't had time to continue to pursue. So, but you can always check me out. Sometimes judging cars on JLX Cars. Um, I also, for a brief time, did a, a season of a podcast with um, Fact Checker Mel Dale uh, called 321 Dead, uh, and that is available everywhere, the season one of that, and, and whether season two is coming or not. Uh, stay tuned. Who knows? Maybe it will. Maybe stay it will. tuned. I don't know. And you can always uh, just hear about me through um, anecdotes that Dillis does bring up on all of their various things on the mr um, guy yeah, yeah, yeah. mr snidillo yeah. uh d- does a lot of things behind the scenes for dillis does and by a lot i mean a lot <laughs> you should have like a scrolling I, credit and I, that's I, just do, do you though because i don't think that they give you like a scrolling credit like a, i don't think they do but they, they give me a shout out usually yeah. so i'm fine with that i've no. i've i've helped out and there's going to be new stuff coming you know we're working on some new t-shirt designs for the dillos and you know normally stuff that comes up with the dillos is jen will go so me and frank were talking about this thing do you think that's something you could put together for like tomorrow and uh and then that just turns into like a little project and um i like doing that stuff though it's fun so needless to say, when I inevitably need something, I'll just be like, hey, Jay, I need Yeah, just ping me. I'm gonna... No, you're you're on you you get you get you're on the list. Friends so and family plan? Friends and family plan. You can utilize Snydello Studios. I'll charge you very little. Hot. Love to see yeah. it. Totally. Um, okay. So if you don't follow me already, don't know where you came from, don't know what you're doing, but hi, hello, I'm Steffers. You can follow me on what what are what what am I on? Literally everything. TikTok, Instagram, Adventures with Stuffers, Twitter. I don't really use, but Asian Zing ninety five. Maybe I'll start using it. There's just too many spoilers and like people bitching, and I that's toxic. I don't like it. Um, I stream on Twitch, Twitch.tv/AsianZing ninety five. That's pretty exciting. I have a Discord server for my Twitch community, so holla for you know an invite to that. Um, um, um adventureswithstuffers.com is literally like my you know hub for everything so you can not stalk me you can check it out and do all the things there maybe next week we'll have another lovely person here what, what i got oh next week i think i have something really exciting for you guys well exciting for me everything's exciting nowadays but we'll catch you then have a great day night evening weekend car ride poop stop i don't whatever whatever you're doing wherever you're listening to me if you listen to me on the toilet that's okay no shame and we'll catch you on the next one bye guys